Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. If you don't already support us, you can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you can click on one of our two friendly yellow buttons, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And thank you for your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Friday, December 16th, 2016. You ever have one of those Fridays where you're just, like, giddy because it's Friday? (laughs) I think I'm just to that point right now. Woo, it's Friday. (laughs) I don't have to deal with heresy for a couple of days. (sighs) Uh, Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rose. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, help you slow down, open up your Bible, and compare. Compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. One of the things we say here at Fighting for the Faith is, is that uh, you should never listen to fighting for the faith with an open mind. No, I really don't want you to do that, like ever. Instead, I would prefer that if you that you should listen with an open Bible. Because what we do here is we open up the scriptures and we compare what the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-appointed apostles and apostolettes and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complex as those who we need to be listening to, whose books we need to be buying, whose small group curricula apparently we need to be studying instead of the Word of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's usually how that goes. And uh, what we find is what they're teaching doesn't square with what God's Word says at all. And I've mentioned it before many times that what we're doing here is a Berean work. Let me explain. In Acts chapter 17, starting at verse 10, here's what it says, that the brothers sent Paul and Silas away by night. They had to leave Thessalonica under the cover of darkness. Things weren't going very well for them there. And they sent them to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now, these Jews were of a more noble character than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. And so the idea here is you want to be a Berean? Well, listen. When somebody comes to you and says, I'm a Christian pastor, or your pastor says, oh, this book that the the Christian publishing house is publishing, everyone's buying it, you got to get a copy of it. You, you sit there and go, well, let's do the comparative work. So we do that here at Fighting for the Faith. We compare. And uh, oftentimes, in fact, most of the time, we find that what people are saying doesn't jive with Scripture. No, like, far from it. And so part of what we do is... A warning works. Part of what we do is a teaching work. 
Part of what we're doing is an exa- is to set a good example of what good exegetical teaching looks like. Uh-huh, there's a pattern to that, and and we try to have a little fun along the way. So with that, let's talk about what it is we're going to do on this Friday episode of Fighting for the Faith. We're going to begin with a prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate. We're going to head to the Apostolic Movement International YouTube channel of the International Apostolate herself, Colette Toach, as she explains to us the prophetic key. Mm -hmm. Do you have the prophetic key? Better, more important question I should be asking you is, even if you have the prophetic key, do you know how to drive the vehicle that this key is for? Well, we're going to let the Apostolette, Colette Toach, explain to us the prophetic key, its significance, how to use it, and things like that. And then when we're done... Um, here in the United States of America, you know, we have to understand we have an international audience here at Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio. Uh, here in the United States, uh, there have been efforts afoot to engage in a recount, uh, a recount regarding the election results. Uh, Donald Trump being uh, elected president there. Hillary has been moving you know, to have a recount in Wisconsin and Michigan and things like that. But this is not nearly as important as, well... The numerological, scatological recounting that um, Perry Stone wants us to engage in. And so we're going to note that Perry Stone, in a uh, recent episode of his Manifest program, um, has called for a recalculating of the year of Jubilee and the patterns and things like that. So um, those of you prone to you know, work with eschatological algorithms and mathematical equations based upon Jewish dates and things like that, you definitely want to get your pencil out and start recalculating the whole Jubilee Shemitah, super Jubilee, super Shemitah thingy doctrines kind of... um, I'm really bad at math, and I'm very thankful for things like spreadsheets and stuff like that. Um, And then... (laughs) We'll take a break, and uh, somewhere in there we'll take a break, and then when we, uh, the second half of the first hour, we're going to head over to Rod Parsley's Breakthrough program as we learn how this coming Christmas, yeah, there's seven days to suddenly, mm -hmm, starting on Christmas Day and ending on January 31st, it's the seven days to suddenly. And so if you if you're needing a suddenly um then you you're you're really in luck because Rod Parsley uh will be uh releasing so uh, the 7 days to suddenly blessing anointing breakthrough thingy and <laughs> oh it's just an absolute sham I cannot believe anybody listens to this man and he has the money to produce this kind of stuff And uh, then in hour number two, we're going to end the week off with a good sermon. Uh, One of the themes of Advent is the anticipation of Christ's arrival. And so oftentimes, uh, first and second Advent kind of get squished together thematically, motif-wise, as far as the preaching and teaching goes. And I find it fascinating that Pastor Charmley has kind of keyed in on this, uh, the anticipation of the arrival of the King in a recent Advent sermon that he gave on uh, Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 to 11, worth passing along. And uh, so that will be today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. I 
really super strongly recommend that you make yourself comfortable. We've got a lot of ground to cover, and we're going to begin with a prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate and update that requires us to do this. Down at an English fair, one evening I was there. When I heard a showman shouting underneath the flare, I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. There they are, standing in a row. Big one, small one, some as big as your head. Give them a twist, a flick of the wrist, that's what the showman said. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. Every ball you throw will make me rich. There stands me wife, the idol of me life, singing roll a bowl a ball, a penny a pitch. Singing roll a bowl a ball, a penny a pitch. Singing roll a bowl a ball, a penny a pitch. Roll a bowl a ball, roll a bowl a ball, singing roll a bowl a ball, a penny a pitch. Yeah, that's right. I've got a lovely, lovely, lovely bunch of coconuts. Oh, man. This woman, it, she's just weird. So uh, we're heading over to Apostolic Movement International, their YouTube channel, uh, the home of the video teaching series of the self-appointed apostolate, Colette Toach, and we're going to be learning about the prophetic key, the prophetic key. So without any further ado, hope you're sitting down. Here's Colette Toach to explain this really important biblical well, it's not really biblical. This important teaching. Here we go. I remember the first time my husband gave me my first set of keys to his car. It was the coolest thing. I had my own remote and everything. And he had it all set up that if I just pressed the button or put the key in ignition, everything would set up for me. The side mirrors would come into line. The seat would and position exactly to where I wanted it. It was awesome. What was even more awesome is that set of keys meant that I had license to drive his car. When you look at the prophetic key, that is what it is all about. It right, yeah, the prophetic key is all about having the license to drive. What am I driving again? The prophetic car? Not sure what we're talking about here, but let's let her spin this out a little bit. License to drive in your prophetic calling. Right. But you know, it doesn't mean that just because you have a key that you necessarily know how to use it correctly. Right, yeah. Um, do you need to get a prophetic driver's license? What's the licensing agency for that? You know, I could have a key and not have a driver's license and not know how to drive and crash the car. Doesn't mean just because I have a key <laughs> that it makes me capable. And that is why when you receive the prophetic key as a prophet, there's a phase of learning how to use that key and to, to use it correctly and with the authority. I mean, come on. You've been in the car of a learner driver and of an experienced driver. <laughs> How do you know that you're in a car of a learner driver? It's very easy. You start taking up the skill of headbanging. You know what I'm talking about. Every five minutes when they change the gears and come to the stop street, you have whiplash by the end. That's how Right. <laughs> So, uh, if I am understanding this correctly, the, the way you're, you know, you're dealing with a, a, a learner prophet. Mm -hmm. We'll go with her theme here. 
uh, the way you know you're dealing with a learner pro- uh, prophet is that, you know, the, their prophets are, prophecies are really jerky and they don't exactly know what they're doing. No, you're in the car of a learner driver because they're so cautious. They're all over the road and they're so jerky in their movements that you're sure that you have aches you never had before when leaving that car. Right. But when you're in the car of somebody who's been driving for years, you can also tell the difference. You find yourself relaxing. They got it under control. Yeah. They handle the road. They handle the car. You don't ever feel threatened. You don't think, uh, there's a car in front of you. There's a car, there's a car in front of you. Stop. <laughs> you don't ever feel the need to jump up and shout that unless, of course, you're a backseat driver or a woman that does that to her husband all the time. Oh man. Okay, so um can you show me the biblical texts that teach about the prophetic key and the learner prophets who are really cautious and kind of jerky in their prophetic prophetic callings and stuff? Okay, so <laughs> now I'm letting my trade secrets out here. The thing is... Your trade secret is you just make stuff up? Just because you got a key... Yeah. ...doesn't make you a good prophet. No. It takes a phase to learn to rise up in that authority. And Right, yeah. I, I'm sure you, you'd be happy to help people in that prophetic learner phase to rise up to the point where they're a comfortable uh, prophetic person, you know, you, you know, behind the wheels and very relaxed and... Things like that. I'm sure it's uh, for a nominal fee. As you rise up in that, you'll start to identify when other prophets also have that authority. And that is what this entire message is about. Because you're about to discover that there's more to being a prophet than just saying the right words and flowing in all the gifts. In fact, you can flow in all of the spiritual gifts. You can even fulfill your, uh, uh, a prophetic mandate. But until you have that prophetic authority. Right, yeah. See, you can even fulfill your prophetic mandate. Yeah, and and not even really do it right because you didn't do it with prophetic authority because you didn't go to the proper prophetic learner school um, and get your prophetic learner's permit. I, I, I just wonder how many hours of prophetic work you need behind the prophetic wheel before you're actually qualified to, you know, prophesy with authority. You're not in prophetic office. No. Until you have the prophetic authority. Yeah. <coughs> You're not bringing any change. Right, yeah, until you have prophetic authority. Yeah. Again, um, do, do you know where this is found in the Bible? Because in all the years I've been reading the Scripture, I've never really run across these texts that teach this doctrine that she's spinning out here, you know? Because until you learn to handle this car, yeah. until you learn to handle the curves in the road yeah. and the dips and the dives and everything else that comes along. Yeah, those prophetic curves and those prophetic dips and dives and doodads and dingy dums thingies. Yeah, they um Yeah, those you, you, if you don't know how to do that, you'll never have prophetic authority. Yeah. You're not ready to drive this car. No. You're not ready to handle the responsibility of this car. Please call it. I'm not worthy. Will you teach me how to prophetically dip, duck, dodge, and dive, and you you know know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like up until now, 
you've written a nice little Geo Metro or a little Mini Cooper or something like that. You know, one of those tiny little Reynolds. And suddenly you get into this huge, big suburban van. Yeah. You know, one of those nice, big American chunky cars. Right, yeah. Because Americans are known for chunky cars, right, yeah. You know what? It's time to run with the big boys now. And yeah. And Colette Toach, she's going to help you run with the prophetic big boys and put your prophetic big boy pants on and stuff, you know. With it comes a lot more responsibility. Yeah. And with it comes the apostolic authority. You're not riding around in your little mini anymore. You're now in the big time. You're now on the big highways with the big cars. Right, yeah. And it takes a greater authority. It takes a greater responsibility. And that's what the prophetic... Yeah, I, I need that greater prophetic authority to drive the chunky American prophecy cars. About. Now, if you look at the word key, you will realize that in Scripture it represents authority. A key talks about authority. Well, of course it does. My husband gave me my own set of keys. He gave me authority. Yeah, could you show me the uh, prophetic authority key passages again i'd like to see that please to drive his car when you get the keys to somebody's house you're given authority to that car yeah to that house it's the same in scripture now when you get that key what we're talking about here is prophetic authority yeah you've said that already this supersedes knowing what a prophet is this means standing in the official appointment and the authority of office yeah I, I've been missing this all along. I'm so glad Colette Toach figured all this out without any biblical passages. But she was able to, you know, crack the prophetic code to find the prophetic key thingy so that we can now, with authority, really big apostolic authority, drive the big, chunky American prophecy cars. Not, Not the... Little Geo Metro thingies or the Mini Coop. No. The prophetic Suburban, man. Maybe like the, the, the prophetic Cadillac Escalade thingy. Oh, man. This is going to revolutionize the whole prophetic world. I'm so thankful. I'll let Toach figure it on this out. Yeah, no, she hasn't improved at all. <laughs> she, she, she talks with a lot of authority, but she's... A lot of bluff and bluster, but no content. <clears throat> I think you get the idea. Moving along, we have a Perry Stone update. That requires us to do this. I'm a nut. I'm a nut. My life don't ever get in a rut. The head on my shoulders is sore loose. And I ain't got sense God gave a goose. Lord, I ain't crazy, but... Is it wetter underwater if you're there when it rains? Is it shorter to New York than it is by plane? Between myself and I, I wonder who's the dumber. Is it hotter down south than it is in the summer? I'm a nut. I'm a nut. My life don't ever get in a rut. All right, so listen, yeah, those of you out there who've been, you know, setting your eschatological clock to the Jubilee Shemitah thingy, I mean, yeah, you've, you did it wrong, you know, uh, yeah, he, he, I think Perry Stone here is calling for a full-blown 
eschatological super jubilee super smita algorithmic eschatological recount and recalculation thingy. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what he's saying here, but I'll let you tune in. I hope you're sitting down, grab a pencil and maybe a slide rule and get your pocket protector out. Here we go. Pay careful attention for the next few moments because I want to share something with you that I believe is a revelation for the year 2017. 2017. I'm going to explain to you in a moment why 2017 is significant. I'm going to introduce this subject by saying some things that at the beginning may not make sense to you. There is a lot of teaching on the cycles of God, and I'm so grateful for it from the Hebraic perspective. Most of you know there's something called Shabbat or the Sabbath, which is every seventh day. It's on a Saturday because in the Bible, the days were not given names. They were numbered first, second, third day, all the way to the seventh day of the week. Seventh is the Sabbath or Shabbat. There is Shemitah. You've heard Dr. Uh, you've heard Jonathan Kahn talk about that. The Shemitah is every seven years, the land was to rest and there was no labor. And that was celebrated or supposed to be celebrated and honored in ancient Israel as well. So you have the Sabbath day, every seventh day, every seventh year. And then you have what's called the Jubilee. And the Jubilee was counting seven years, seven seven years, seven sabbatical years, okay? And you come to 49 years and then uh, on the Day of Atonement, which is uh, on the seventh month, the, the 10th day, you were to blow the trumpets on the Day of Atonement and silver trumpets, as a matter of fact, and that would be the Jubilee year every 50 years. And then there's something called the Super Jubilee. And the Super Jubilee, if you begin to add that up, is the cycles of 50s that continue up to a certain period of time. You've got Super Shemitah years and all these other things that have been discovered in the Bible. Now... I I didn't even realize it's super Shemitah. I you know here I thought I was in the clear and I had survived the uh, the Shemitah altogether. I mean I mean we sold cases of the you know four blood moons fiery Shemitah sauce here at Pyre Christian Radio, and uh, you know and now you're saying I didn't even consider the whole super Shemitah super Jubilee thingy. Oh, man, I totally missed that. I want, to, I want you to hear me very carefully because I'm going to get into something that is going to be different than some of you are used to. There is a mix-up, in my opinion, on how Shemitah has been counted. Oh, no. <sighs> ah, man, I thought we were through all this stuff. I mean... <laughs> Here I thought I'd survive the Shemitah, and now you're saying Jonathan Kahn and other people counted it wrong? There's a mix-up, in my opinion, on how the Jubilee has been counted. And I'm going to explain it to you this way. The Shemitah cycles and the Jubilee cycles cannot be counted based on the United States. They can... Okay, so let me see if I have this straight. When we actually do calculate the super Shemitah, Shemitah, super Jubilee, Jubilee thingy years, we got to count it based on Israeli time, not American time. Got that. Do we use traditional math or new math for this? I'm 
I'm a little confused as to which mathematical method we're to be using now. Fall in the pattern of years in the United States. Yeah. But the actual counting has to be connected to Israel because the cycle is an Israeli cycle. It is an ancient Israel cycle. Now, I've already t- I can already tell by looking at some of you, I've already sort of confused you on that one. And I'm going to have to go through some explanation to help you to understand what I'm saying. All right. Let us do it this way to help you to understand. The Jewish New Year is 5777 as of right now. The Jewish New Year. If we were to go back to the time of the creation of Adam and move forward to right now on what we call our Gentile calendar, you all should know we're way past 6,000 years. From the birth of Jesus to the time of, let's say, let's go to Adam. From the time of Adam to the birth of Jesus is about 4,004 years roughly. And you can count that in genealogies. You can count that in history. And scholars have done that. However, if we go from the birth of Jesus and we take that little zero year and go forward, you know, the B.C. and the A.D. thing. If we go forward, we're at 2,016 years. 2,016. 2,016 years. Only for a couple more weeks. I mean, we're almost to the 2,017 you know, thingy. Yeah. From the zero year of the birth of Christ. Now, it doesn't take a genius to say 4,004 years to his birth, approximately, according to many scholars, plus 2,016, when you add it up, is not less than 6,000 years. It's more than 6,000 years, but we have a complicated problem here. Why is it that the Jews, who actually originate so much of our calendar from the cosmic cycles, the sun, moon, and stars, are only at 5,777? If you were to calculate, and I would have done it for you, but I didn't know I'd preach this message. If you were to calculate that 4,004 years and add 2,016 to it, then go back and minus 5,777, the Jewish year. Now, you'll discover that the Jewish calendar is well over 200 years off from our calendar. Now, when I start studying Bible prophecy, I had Jewish, my Jewish God, Gideon, sure with me. And I said, Gideon, there's a situation here that doesn't make sense. And that is this. How come the Jewish calendar is off by that amount of time? Because shouldn't our calendar and the Jewish calendar sort of be lined up? All right. And he said, let me find out. So he called a rabbi in Brooklyn, New York. And he said, the rabbi said there can be one of three reasons for it. And he gave the first reason. Then he gave the second reason. And then he gave one that I had never heard. And this is important you hear this. Because what I'm going to talk about is the coming Jubilee and the coming Jubilee revival that's about to hit the earth. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> All I hear is math, 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 math. Okay, so there's a discrepancy between the Julian calendar thinking of years versus the the, uh, the Jewish number of years, 577. Seven. This has implications. Oh, man, Jubilee's coming again. <laughs> Didn't we just finish all this? Notice that I called it a year ago when I said nobody knows when the Jubilee is. Nobody knows. And so you had Jonathan Kahn talking about the mystery of the Jubilee and all this kind of stuff. And now Perry Stone claims that he's figured out how to crack the code here because he's noticed that there's been some kind of really important miscalculation going on. 
Uh-huh. We're going to take a break and uh, pay some bills. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com. Or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there, at Pirate Christian. Quick break. When we come back, a little bit more of uh, Perry Stone explaining to us the Super Jubilee Shemitah thingy. And then uh, Rod Parsley and uh, Seven Days to Suddenly. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. We don't need to rethink Christianity. We need to rediscover it. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. Hello, my name is Joel Osteen, and I want to tell you about my latest book. Every day is Friday. I really don't know why I wrote this one, though. I was trying to come up with some ideas, and it turns out I don't have any. So that's when I started thinking of things people really liked. I was thinking of all sorts of stuff, but none of the things I was thinking were really working. My first title was, Every Day is Marshmallow Covered Rainbows, but my mama told me it stunk. And then I had one of those ideas because somebody on the TV said they like Friday. I mean, what's not to like about Friday? There's a party every night. If your boss isn't all strict and stuff, you could be casual at work. And they's always having that 25 cent wing night down at Bubba Wings on Tuesdays. Turns out there are some people who don't seem to like the whole every day is Friday thing and have made some not so nice remarks. They keep on saying things like, but Saturday is so much better. With every day being Friday, I don't ever get to sleep in or have a day off. Well, we here at Lakewood have a name for these kinds of people, and they are close-minded haters. Hey, that's my line! Uh, security, get this crazy person out of here. I'll show you who's crazy!
Hi, Chris Rosebro here to talk about our longtime featured advertiser, Cheapo Air. Doesn't matter if you're traveling for business reasons or for pleasure. Doesn't matter if you're traveling within the United States or abroad. Cheapo Air is the place for you to save literally hundreds of dollars on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. On the side of our website, you'll see our ad banners. Look at the ad banner for Cheapo Air and look on it. There's a promo code. Write the promo code down, click on the ad banner, and then book your travel at the Cheapo Air website, and you'll have the opportunity to enter that promo code for additional savings. Again, fightingforthefaith.com. Write down the promo code, click on the ad banner, and save money on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars today. Listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to think that mathematical Shemitah Jubilee calculations are not actually biblical teachings, because they're not. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend, truly depend, on you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to into the world. And you can partner with us. It's a partnership. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see our two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. When you join our crew, you are signing up to automatically contribute. Well, an amount that you pick. Um, there's four ranks in our crew. Lowest rank is Powder Monkey, $9.95 a month. Gunner's made at $24.95 a month. Master Gunner at $49.95 a month. And Quartermaster at $99.95 a month. Joining our crew is a great way to support us. It helps us have a solid financial foundation from which to pay our bills, plan our next exploits, and things like that. And, of course, if you'd like to make a one-time contribution, you can do so by clicking on the Donate button or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. All right, let's get back to um, Perry Stone as Perry Stone tries to explain to us his, um, well, New mathematical calculations and the claim that he's made that there's been miscalculations regarding the Jubilee Shemitah thingy. And this has to do with some major Jubilee thingy about some outpouring revival that's supposed to take place in 2017. Here we go. And it's coming in 2017. No, I'm, 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 I'm telling you, it's already here in the earth. But we're going to see the fullness among sons and daughters and young people. We're going to see the fullness in certain areas, selective areas, in the year 2017. I'm going to prove that to you in this teaching. Are you still here? Shout yes. yes. All right. Now stay with me because I want to show you this. Now, if you go back, the third thing the rabbi said was this. He said that God... The rabbi said this. ...does not count time when Israel is in unbelief. That when they're out of the land or they're in captivity, that's why the calendar is different. And he starts doing this. He said, okay, let's go to Abraham with Hagar, 15 years. I said, okay, let's put the number 15 down. He said, all right, let's go over there to the book. So which biblical text says that when you 
<laughs> so the Abraham Hagar thing, yeah, you'd knock off 15 years off the calendar right there, yeah. But Abraham was the man of faith. It doesn't say he was in unbelief during that time. Judges, where they went captivity for 40 years to the Philistines, eight years to the king of Moab, and add that up, that's over 100 and some years. So I took the 15, add it to the 100 and some years. He said, let's talk about the 70 years. This is some sketchy math here. Babylonian this is theological math now that's getting really weird. It, it wasn't long when I just took the numbers I knew from the Bible where they were in captivity or out of the land and it came close to that missing years on the Jewish calendar. Now, I am going to talk about Jubilee. Here's the Jubilee scriptures. Let's look at these. Leviticus chapter 25 verses 8 through 11. You shall count seven Sabbaths. Who's the you there in Leviticus 25? Those who are under the Mosaic Covenant, the you is not you and I. Years for yourself, seven times seven years, and the time of seven Sabbaths of years shall be for you 49 years. Then you shall cause the trumpet of the Jubilee to sound on the 10th day of the seventh month, on the day of atonement, and you shall make the trumpet sound throughout all of your land. You shall consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout all of the land and to the inhabitants. It shall be a Jubilee for you, and each of you shall return to his possession, and each of you shall return to his family. Leviticus 25, 13 through 15 in the year of Jubilee, each of you shall return of, to his possession. If you sell anything to your neighbor or buy from your neighbor's hand, you shall not oppress one another. Now, the Jubilee is important for this reason. It is restoration of what had been lost. Pay attention. It was a releasing of what had been held captive. And it was a season to rest from the heavy labors and cares of your life. Now, when I talk about a coming Jubilee revival, I'm going to show you how it falls in a cycle of a Jubilee based not on an American cycle, but based upon an Israel cycle. If it's an Israel cycle, it has to fall in a 50-year time frame. One point here to one point there being 50 years. Another point there starting there to there another 50 years. Yeah, just because you read out the, the commandment regarding the Mosaic Covenant's command regarding the Jubilees doesn't mean that this has anything to do with some Jubilee cycle, <laughs> whether calculated based on the U.S., which makes no sense, or on the, the on ancient Israel, which is not in existence. Um, <laughs> and it has something to do with some jubilee outpouring revival thingy of today what are you talking about uh, did you did you go to who was that guy who prophesied you know who said that oh uh, harold camping did you go to the harold camping school of prophetic mathematics now I'm going to try to break this down. You, this crowd knows this, but if anybody's watching me, they may not be familiar with this. And I could get into the deep theological part and the Hebrew words, but let me make it as simple as I can. To prove to you that God stops time when Israel is in unbelief, then picks it up when they start to believe again. You only have to go to one place in your Bible. That's Daniel chapter 9. In Daniel 9, he says, 70 weeks are determined for your people Israel. Can, can I? 
Yes, the 70-week prophecy begins with the return of the people back to the land. But that doesn't prove that God stopped time because um, God had remained, kept for himself a remnant who believed, Daniel being one of them, um, even when they were in captivity. This doesn't actually prove your eschatological, mathematical, theological calculation thingy. <sighs> yeah, and unfortunately, this this was actually a sermon delivered by Perry Stone, which doesn't make any sense at all because none of this is actually um, you know, exegetical teaching. He's not really working his way through a biblical text. I, I think you get the point. This is just nonsense. Well, there you go. 2017, the year of the Jubilee, because he redid the math and has called for a Jubilee Shemitah recount and uh, found new mathematical reasons to rework the Jubilee. And so there's a revival coming in 2017. It's already here because we're already into the 5777 thing. Moving along. Don't want no loving. Don't want no kissing. Don't want no gal to call me honey. Don't want my name in the Hall of Fame. Just want a big fat pile of money. Give me that almighty dollar for that lettuce, hear me holler. Give me buckets full of ducats, let me walk around and waller in Mazuma. El Dinero, wanna be a millionaire? Give me money, 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 money. I want that green ammunition, that's the stuff for which I'm wishing. Fill my closets with deposits, I'm a demon in addition. Give me shekels, give me pesos, let me see their smiling faces. Money, 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 money. Wanna get me a suit that's made out of loot and whistle for wearing it green. I got that monetary itis like me, just like King Midas. Want that golden touch is what I mean. Give me that old double eagle. Want that tender that is legal and financially substantially. Any sum I can and beagle. Want a living regal splendor for that loving legal tender. Money, 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 money. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Dr. Teeth. And money, money, money. So uh, we're heading over to Rod Parsley's uh, breakthrough program as we listen to him trying to figure out how to bilk his viewers out of their Christmas cash before the end of the year. That's what this is. This is all a scam designed to figure out how to get the money that's in your wallet that was put there during the Christmas season into Rod Parsley's bank account. And so he's come up with this brand new thing it's the seven days to suddenly teaching. Oh, it all begins on Christmas Day. You, you don't want to miss it, though. That, that's for sure. Here's Rod Parsley to explain how you have a divine appointment for suddenly. Here we go. Well, the spirit of the living God has spoken to my heart that the answer you so desperately need, the answer to that urgent financial need, to your crucial family crisis, to your greatest physical or emotional need, listen closely, is wrapped up in God's number of perfection, the number seven, in seven days. Seven days, yeah. I think he's been to the Harold Camping School of um, Televangelist Numerology as well. Suddenly, Suddenly, I believe God is about to rush with your miracle. It's Suddenly, man. In seven days, just suddenly, man. 
every situation of need in your life. Beginning on Christmas Day and then for seven days. I'll be releasing a series of seven days to suddenly emails to you. Right. Rod Parsley. I mean, humanity has been waiting for millennia for these seven days of suddenly emails. And now that there's like seven perfect days between Christmas and the end of the year, I'm so thankful that you are so selflessly solving all of our problems and saving us, saving us from financial difficulty, physical ailments, all because of the release of these seven suddenly day email thingies. Oh, the world will never, and I mean never, be the same. You're going to sign up today by dialing that number on your screen or going to rodparsley.com. And then on December 31st, after I've been through a season of prayer and fasting, I believe your miracle is going to be released as we agree. Right. Yeah. On December 31st, Rod Parsley, rather than feasting and eating turkey and stuffing and cranberry sauce and mashed potatoes and sweet potatoes and pumpkin pie and no he he's going to selflessly go through a whole season of fasting and prayer so that on December 31st he can be in agreement with you so that you can have your suddenly breakthrough now we are approaching a very significant year yeah. on God's calendar 2017 and the Hebrew year Five seven seven seven. Yeah, but I, I, I gotta throw a flag here, dude. Um, are you counting according to American events or Israeli? I mean, you, I mean, we just heard Perry Stone explain. There's like years missing here, dude. Th- this could like totally throw off this whole thing that you want to bless the world with. This is when your enemies are to be driven back. Your seven days to suddenly is on its way. Call right now or log on at rodparsley.com. Don't miss miss this opportunity. Yeah, and I'm sure if you call in, they won't really pressure you hard to give them your credit card number. All right, so (laughs) this is just the beginning. It gets worse. If you don't believe me, well, here's a little bit more of Rod Parsley literally scamming people out of their year-end Christmas money. It's the best way I can put it. It's the most grinchy thing I've literally seen anybody do in my entire lifetime. But here's more details of uh, what it is that uh, we all apparently need to do in order to get in on this on this very rare type of opportunity. Well, it's always my joy, but today it's especially my joy to welcome you to your breakthrough. Now, today, get ready. Get ready. We are in hot pursuit of your miracle. Right, yeah. He's going to help us track it down, you know. God has spoken very, very deeply in my spirit. I don't think so. 
that it's about to happen now. Hear this word. Yeah, if God were speaking to your spirit, he'd be telling you to repent. Uh-huh, because what you're doing is blaspheming. You're, you are literally taking God's name in vain and fleecing these people in the name of God. Good luck on the day of judgment with that. Word. Let the Holy Spirit engrave it on the fleshly tablets of your heart right now with his flaming finger, and you ought to just shout it right there where you are. Suddenly. Malachi 3.1 does just that. Shouts it. The Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Of course, you know you're... Right, because, you know, the word suddenly appears in the Bible in a few places. That, that means that you're going to have a suddenly thing happen. And no, that's not what this is talking about. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. The presence of God Almighty always manifests suddenly. Think about the angelic announcement of the birth of the Lord Jesus over in Luke chapter 2. Suddenly, there was with the angel a company of the heavenly host praising God. And yeah, because, you know, there was an adverb that appeared in that verse. So that adverb now applies to you. <laughs> no, that again, this is this is a satanic fleecing and twisting of God's word. Say glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace. Goodwill toward men in this, my favorite season of the year. I'll, I'll just go ahead and put that out there. This wonderful, wonderful season. Oh, I'm sure it is because I'm sure your coffers just start filling to the brim, you know. During my times of prayer in the presence of God, he's spoken to me that I am to rally his people, if you will, to call a solemn assembly for seven Days, seven days, we are going to focus our prayer and our teaching so that everything in your life can be changed suddenly. Because God has spoken to me that your answer is coming. Listen, suddenly and dramatically, it's all centered in God's number of perfection and completion. The number seven. As we begin, watch this, 2017 on our calendar, on God's calendar, it's a trifecta. It's the year 5777. So what? God is about to release these anointings in an unprecedented way. No, he's not. God has not promised to release anything. You are lying. And making promises for God he has never made. And I believe that seven days from December 25th through December 31st are going to open a divine portal of opportunity. No, it's not. And if you believe that it's going to open a divine portal, man, I have a bridge I can sell you in Brooklyn. Man, it's I can sell it to you for a song. To usher in God's year of perfection and power, 2017. Spoken to my heart. No, it wasn't. To believe, now totally healed by his mighty power of cancer, vocal cord cancer, that said it would take my voice. And God said, no, it won't. And when I bring it back, 
you're going to be under a seven times greater anointing. You would think that with a brush with such a deadly disease as cancer, vocal cord cancer at that, that you would repent in tears and refund every penny that you have built out of these people in the name of God. It was a mercy on God's part to give you an opportunity to repent, to remind you that you are mortal and that your life is but a breath. And rather than repent, you are now shamelessly going forward and letting everybody know that you've been healed and that God's talking to you and so that you can release suddenlies. Uh-huh. I would consider at this point that your heart is so hard that you make Pharaoh's heart look like a squishy plush toy. And it wasn't. I'm believing for a suddenly miracle for you in three major areas of your life. Number one, you break free from financial lack and need. Number two, your greatest family miracle. Number three, your greatest physical or emotional need to be met. All week, I'll be praying. I will be fasting for your miracle. And then... No, you won't. You're going to be feasting like everybody else at Christmas. On December 34th, first, I want you to join me for a very, very special online prayer service. Now, I believe that in 2017, the Spirit of the Lord is about to launch you into a year of suddenly miracles. You say, well, pastor, how am I going to, how am I going to participate? Well, there's a number right there on your screen. That's your connection to me. Or you can log on at rodparsley.com. I want you to sign up. I'm going to send you seven days to suddenly an email teaching Every day, beginning on Christmas Day, I want to prepare your spirit today for everything God I know is about to do in your life. So, I've invited my distinguished guest, my wonderful friend, one of the church's greatest generals overall, with a specialty in spiritual warfare to see curses broken off of your life. And I don't know any greater curse than the fear of financial disaster that keeps people in bondage. Of course, Bishop George Bloomer, Bethel Family Worship Center in Durham, North Carolina. If you're ever in that area, you'll do yourself a favor by showing up. I promise you that is websites right there on your screen. You're going to want to jot it down, put it in your cell phone so you can stay in contact with him. I always do. Yeah, and there's no way. Yeah, Bishop Bloomer. Yeah, <laughs> this guy is a con artist extraordinaire. It's great to have you back, Bishop. Great to be here. Great to Boy, be here. Boy, you've got a new Seven word days, on you. My God. I'm telling Seven you. Seven days from December the 25th. That's right. Through... December the 31st. That's it. Seven days. Seven days. Suddenly. Suddenly. Yeah, suddenly, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Oh, man. Yeah. Suddenly. Because, you know, it says in the Bible that the angels suddenly appeared. So that means the seven suddenly days of before the beginning of 2017. Oh, man, you're going to have all kinds of financial miracles. But see, Bishop Bloomer is the guy they're clearly paying to. 
explain the fine print. Wait till you find out what the fine print is. I mean, he's going to set these people up, oh, man, and just tell them that, you know, the blessings are going to be pouring out of this portal in heaven, and, oh, it's going to be amazing. And the details, oh, it sounds so great, but there's going to be a but. But let's let him set this up first. The, the, your scripture was the same scripture that I had, uh, oh. Malachi chapter number 1. And uh, chapter three, uh, verse number one on uh, suddenly he shall come. Oh, in do- oh yeah, because suddenly he shall come means suddenly you're going to have blessings pour out of heaven. No. Deuteronomy chapter number uh, uh, 15, mm-hmm. uh, 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 one through four, it says at the end of every seven years, thou oh shalt make a release. Oh, my. we. Are- yeah, that that would be the Shemitah. We've been there, done that already. And nobody knows when the Shemitah is or when the Jubilee is either. Are coming into a season where this is the year of the release. But the sixth year is the year of the exact. Exact means to say. The sixth year is the year of the exact. Yeah, see, I I think you need to call up Perry Stone and uh, just do some comparative mathematics because you're saying if this this is the sixth year, next year is the year of the release? I don't think so. I, I, I'm just not thinking so. Send here. a bill. Hmm. It means to foreclose. Hmm. It means to uh, repossess. It means to execute a judgment. And so the pe- pe- children of God, the people of God have felt this crunch that's been hmm. on them because there's been a demonic exact on them. Oh, oh no. <laughs> oh, no. There's been a crunch because of a demonic exact? <gasps> Sounds terrible. A demonic exact. Oh, what are we going to do? But our tithe and our offerings, Uh our prayers and our fasting exempts us from the exact. Oh, our tithes exempt us from the exact. Where exactly are you seeing this in the scriptures again? Because it's not in Deuteronomy. You're making it up. So over the next few days, we are operating under the exact Jesus. exempt anointing. Oh, oh, no, the exact exempt anointing. Oh, how do I get it on that? Hallelujah. Where God is going to release miracles in your life. But January 1, mm. from the first of the year to the end of the year, will be in the Lord's release. Jesus. And I come to tell you that. <laughs> it's like he's just making it up as he's speaking. He doesn't even know what he's talking about. He just wants to wet people's appetites so they write a big check to send to Rod Parsley. He, clearly, he's going to get part of the take, you know. That everything that the devil has been holding against Jesus you, Bishop. he has to release it mm. in the name of Jesus. This is not only in the realm of the spirit, this is also in our Fair Credit Act, that at the end of every seven years, bad credit has to come off of your credit file. My. It has to come off. My. It has to be dropped. But there are those in the credit industry who found a little small yeah, loophole. Yeah. They know how to sell bad credit to other creditors. Yes. Because sometimes there is a, a little profit to be made sure. in someone else's demise. Oh, absolutely. I bind that spirit Jesus. over your life. What? I decree and declare that you're coming into a season of uh, seven. You're coming. You're decreeing and declaring I'm coming into a season of seven. Do you have the authority to do that? I don't think so. Into a season of seven. 
perfect, 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 perfect blessings, supernatural healing, mm. supernatural uh, wealth, supernatural favor is going to overtake you. Jesus. This is your year. And I release the uh. exact exempt anointing on you yes, for God. the next 40 some odd days and beginning the 25th of December. Yes. That seven day stretch. Mm. That's when your angel is Jesus. going to show up. My angel will show up. Wow. All because you decreed and declared it. Well, I'm so glad I didn't miss this episode of Rod Parsley's Breakthrough. I mean, otherwise, my angel would have never been able to show up, you know. And bring the manifestations of the things that God spoke over your life. But here, here, there's a little catch to it. Oh, there's a catch. There's a catch to it. You can't get a harvest from a ground that has no seed in it. No, that's true. Oh, no. Oh, man, I haven't. I haven't. Planted any seeds. So when my angel comes, I won't be able to have a harvest. Whatever will I do? True. If there is no seed, true. there can be no harvest. That's right. So I challenge you in the name of the Lord. I challenge you in the name of the Lord yeah. to prepare yourself, to get yourself ready. Yeah. Because this is the hour. This is the moment where the soil is fertile enough yeah. to produce the yeah. harvest that you're going to need well, for this year coming There's in. that portal. <laughs> oh man so you got all these people going this is the time the ground is fertile i gotta plant the seed now because if i don't it won't be fertile enough later and then you got rock parsley there's a portal no there's no portal need for this year coming there's in. that portal you know, a, a portal, Malachi 3 talks about it, of course. I'll open the windows of heaven. Yes. Well, it's a really poor translation. It's, it's really a portal. No, it's not. Where did you study Hebrew? Come on. Series. Seriously. The Hebrew word arubat does not mean portal. It literally means window or latticed opening. It does n not mean portal. Man, this guy, there are words for these types of men, and using those words on air on Christian radio is not a good thing, so I won't. And it, it means to open for a period and close. So No, it does not. Arubat does not mean that. There's a time. God's a God of times. We know that. And 5777, three sevens coming upon us. But before we get there, what Bishop Bloomer is sharing with you today is you are about to be exempted from the exacting. <laughs> and notice he's like, whoosh, whoosh. oh man, the exempting from the exacting. Whoosh, whoosh. These guys, I mean, have you, the king and the duke from uh, Huck Finn come to mind. I, I, this is one of the greatest revelations I have ever heard. No, it's one of the greatest cons I've ever heard. I've never heard anybody else share it. Because it's not biblical. Except, Bishop Bloomer, it is a word from the Lord. No, it's not. It's a word from the greedy, blackened, stone-cold heart of you and Bishop Bloomer. 
This is nothing from God. This is not from God at all. You guys are waterless rain clouds. And when you hear the voice of a prophet and you obey the voice of the prophet, neither of you are prophets. Something you lost is about to be returned to you. Something this Bible promises that you've never held is about to be released to you. And something God has for you that you have never even begun to believe or ask him for god is going to astonish you in these seven days no he really is not what's astonishing is that god doesn't open up the heavens and pick his take his hand and pick you guys up by his mighty hand and throw your carcasses into the fires of hell And if you don't repent, that's exactly what's going to happen to the blasphemers like yourselves. Dial that number on your screen right now. Go to rodparsley.com right now. Don't forget, during these seven days between Christmas and New Year's Day, I'm praying, I'm fasting, millions are joining me, and we're going to see God as your seed builds a memorial break off of you everything that's held you down now wait till you hear what you got to do to get it because you listen you got it you got to plant the seed in the in the fertile soil right now so that means you need to send your money you got to prove to god that you have faith for this ex- exacting exemption seven suddenly's blessing anointing thingy the details are a bit sketchy now that i think about it but oh man if you want to get in on this you gotta send money and here's the pitch and bring you into the greatest release of your life. Dr. Parsley is prophetically announcing that your suddenly miracle is at hand. And I believe that seven days are going to open a divine portal of opportunity to usher in God's year of perfection and power 2017. Make this word your own with a seed of 77, 107, or 777 dollars as a memorial of your faith in God to manifest your miracle suddenly. Sow a sacrificial seed of 77 dollars or more, and you'll receive Dr. Rod and Joni Parsley's new Everyday Matters 2017 devotional with an encouragement. So you're paying 77 bucks for a devotional book. Uh huh. Because you ain't getting any blessings from God. It's $77 for a devotional. Encouraging word for every day of the year and more. You'll also receive Dr. Parsley's three sermon series, Directing Divine Activity in Your Life on <laughs> CD and DVD or USB. So an uncommon seed of $777 or more. And you'll also receive Dr. Parsley's resource set, Breakthroughs and Blessings, 24 of Dr. Parsley's greatest faith-building messages. And be sure to include your prayer requests. But don't delay. The deadline is December 31st. Yeah, you got you, you to gotta get the stuff in, man. You got to get the 777 seed harvest thingy in by, oh, by the 31st. Oh, oh man, because... This this is a timed anointing. Yeah, these guys are shameless charlatans. And they blaspheme the name of God and Christ Jesus. And what is amazing to me is that the body of Christ does not rise up and literally denounce and drum these people out of the body of Christ. Instead, they sit there and go, well, you know, he's a prophet. 
got to believe him. And, you know, and who are we to judge and all that kind of stuff. These people, and you, you want to know who they're hurting the most? It's those who literally have the least, who are desperate to pay their bills, who buy into the stuff as a last-ditch hope, last-ditch effort that somehow something will, will turn around in their lives. And the people who can afford it the least are the ones who are literally having their their money stolen from them. And what's going to end up happening is they're going to start the year not able to even pay their bills because they foolishly believed the charlatan and the man helping them out, Bishop Bloomer, that God's going to suddenly give them all kinds of financial blessing because they sent money to a televangelist. What an utter mess, man. All right. We're up on our second break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com. Or you could subscribe on Facebook, Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there, at Christian. Quick break. When we come back, we're going to end the week off with a good sermon from Pastor Gervais, Nicholas Edward Charmley. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. No itching ears are scratched here. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. Pirate Christian Radio Theater presents Death of a Salesman. Are ye a salesman? Why, yes, I am. Can I interest you in some... You're listening to Byron Christian Radio. This is Dr. Curtis Lyons. I am the presiding pastor of the American Association of Lutheran Churches. If you are seeking a church that believes that the Holy Bible is the inerrant, infallible Word of God and accepts the Lutheran confessions because they are the right interpretation of Holy Scripture, I hope that you will take a look at the AALC. Also, if you are considering a vocation as a Lutheran pastor, our seminary has a residency program and a program available online. This is Curtis Lyons inviting you to take a look at the AALC. Check us out at taalc.org or on Facebook at the American Association of Lutheran Churches. And exactly how do ye know that she be a heretic? She be endorsing the health and wealth heresy. Does he be speaking the truth? Jesus died to make us rich. (laughs) And what exactly do we do with heretics? Oh, we throw them in the boo box. No, no, no. We preach the gospel to them. What if, um, the heretic doesn't repent? Then we throw them in the boo box. Oh, 
R is to heretic, to R is to pirate. Get yourself over to www.piratechristianradio.com forward slash Refermanda and purchase yourself a copy of the game Refermanda and join the fight for the faith today. All right, we're back. Hour number two of Fighting for the Faith. We're going to end the week off with a good sermon to try to clean our minds out after that nonsense from Rod Parsley and Bishop Bloomer. It is just galling that there are people out there who think that's what Christianity is. I think Pastor Charmley will help set things right here. Here at Fighting for the Faith, we're an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. Today's good sermon comes to us via Bethel Evangelical Free Church, Hanley, Stoke-on-Trent in the United Kingdom, Pastor Gervais Nicholas Edward Charmley presiding. The name of the sermon we'll be listening to is titled, The King is Coming. He is going to be working his way through the prophet Isaiah, chapter 40, verses 1 through 11, and really keying in on the... uh, expectation, arrival of the king theme of Advent. That's one of the wonderful, wonderful themes of uh, this time of the year. So let me go ahead and back up on the music, and without any further ado, here is Pastor Jervis Nicholas Edward Charmley, and the king is coming. Here we go. Let us read now from the Old Testament, from the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 40 and the first 11 verses. Isaiah chapter 40 verses 1 through 11. Isaiah is speaking of the servant of the Lord, the one that God would send for his people. So Isaiah chapter 40 verses 1 through 11. Comfort, yes comfort my people says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned. For she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough places smooth, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The voice said, Cry out. And he said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. 
Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Oh, Zion, you who bring good tidings, get up into the high mountain. Oh, Jerusalem, you who bring good tidings, lift up your voice with strength, lift it up. Be not afraid, say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm, and carry them in his bosom, and gently lead those who are with young. And may God bless the reading of his holy word. Let us read again from the Holy Scriptures, from the Gospel according to Matthew, and chapter 3, verses 1 through... In fact, we shall read the whole of the chapter, Matthew chapter 3. In those days John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around the Jordan went out to him, and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance, And do not think to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And may God bless the reading of his holy word. 
Our text this evening is found in our Old Testament reading and also in our New Testament reading. It appears the first time in the Old Testament reading, Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 3. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Christmas is coming. Look at the shops and the signs and all the twinkly lights in the windows of, in the streets where we live and the streets that we pass down. Christmas is coming. But in all the glitter and glitz and this, that and the other, so often the reality is forgotten that Jesus is coming. The King is coming. And so the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. The message, the good news is so often forgotten. And it becomes just a celebration of something or other that's happened somewhere or other that somehow or other has some effect or other upon our lives. In other words, people are confused. They're not thinking. Rejoice. Why? Well, as we sang, rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel. That is God with us. That's what the name Emmanuel means. Shall come to you, O Israel. And not to Israel only, but to the whole world. All flesh shall see it together. As the prophet says, the good news, the king is coming. And in these words from the prophet Isaiah, John the Baptist's mission is declared a mission that's absolutely vital to prepare the way of the Lord. And we see about John these three things. First of all, the man. Who was he? Secondly, the message. What did he say? And thirdly, the Messiah. The one he pointed to. The one he Proclaimed, we prepared the way for. First, the man. The man. The Apostle John, in writing his gospel, he introduces John the Baptist very simply. John's gospel, chapter 1, verse 6 There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness. To bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. A man sent from God is who he was. He is described as being, as it were, the greatest of the Old Testament prophets. A man who belonged to the Old Testament and yet he's in the New Testament. His parents, Zachariah and Elizabeth, were old, much advanced in years. Elizabeth was unable to have children. And they cried out to God. And that's a situation that's repeated again and again in the Bible. That's Abraham and Sarah. Abraham and Sarah were advanced in years. They couldn't have children. They cried out to the Lord. 
It's seen in the parents of Samson, the great, great hero of the Old Testament. Flawed though he was, they were able to have children, they cried out to the Lord. And it's seen in Hannah, the mother of the prophet Samuel. Unable to have children, she cried out to the Lord, and the Lord answered And in each of these cases, there came forth somebody who was of great importance, a man sent from God. That unusual birth marked them out. There is something about this man who is sent from God, a miraculous birth. All, of course, pointing to the greatest miraculous birth of all, that of Jesus Christ. A man sent from God. And there he was. Now his father was a priest. Zachariah. One of those who was dedicated to the service of God in Jerusalem. One of the Jerusalem elite. The priests as a separate class. They were the people who taught the people. They were the men who offered prayers and sacrifice for the people. Israel couldn't exist as a nation without the priests. And so they were important people. They were wealthy people. They were people who had a great deal of prestige. Being born into a priestly family was to be somebody. And what did John the Baptist do? He left all that. He left Jerusalem. We don't know when, but it would probably have been in his early teenage years, as we count these things, if not earlier. And he went out into the wilderness, away from all that wealth and power and privilege. And he was a voice crying in the wilderness. He was a prophet. A prophet, of course, is somebody who has a message from God and he was a voice because that's what prophets did we, you know, the Old Testament is full of these books of the prophets like Isaiah and what did they do they spoke and what did they speak what did John speak he spoke the word of God the voice said cry out and he said What shall I cry? All flesh is grass and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. What did he cry? He cried the word of God. The words that God gave him to say. And what were those words? Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Prepare the way. We saw in our New Testament reading what he proclaimed in a bit more detail. How he cried out and he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That is, turn from your sins, turn from whatever is 
keeping you from God. Because God's king is coming. And he is coming into this world. The picture here of the word prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Is of what happened in the ancient world. When somebody important, when a king came to visit. We're used to permanent roads. And they may have, and they do have around here, some pretty massive potholes. But the roads are there. In the ancient world, of course, most people, they walked. You had to have some money to have any sort of transport at all. Most people, shank's pony, you walk wherever you're going. And so, in the ancient world, if a king was to come, well, what did kings have? Kings had all their chariots, all their attendants. Now, the king needed a lot of rooms to stay in, a lot of places for his people, his attendants to be. And that was, to come to our second point, the message, the message of John the Baptist, the king is coming. And because the king is coming, prepare the way of the Lord. As the hymn writer puts it, let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. The king is coming. Because when a king was coming in the ancient world, you'd have all these people would come out and clear the roads get rid of all the stones and the rubbish that's built up and if you need to well build an embankment for the road to go on or dig a a cutting but the road must be there for the king is coming prepare the way of whom not just a human king but the way of the Lord The way that is of Jehovah or Yahweh, the God of Israel. Behold, prepare the way of the Lord. Because the one that John the Baptist pointed to, the one who was coming, the Lord Jesus Christ, he isn't just another man sent from God. Now none of the prophets were ever sent to prepare the way for another prophet. There were those like Elijah who handed on, as it were, well, literally, in fact, in Elijah's case, the prophetic mantle to Elisha. But none of them ever came to say, there's another prophet coming. And nor did John the Baptist. He came to say, God is coming. He spoke about him and he said, He is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. Now, carrying sandals was a pretty menial task. If you think about walking in that climate, feet got hot and dusty and sweaty in you. If you had someone carry your sandals, they had to be pretty lowly. A slave would pick up your sandals and carry them. 
Or if you had to take your sandals off, a slave might help you with it, but not somebody important. But John the Baptist, he was a man, he was a man sent from God. But here, he said, there's one coming who is so much greater than I. Therefore, repent, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And why is the kingdom of heaven at hand? Because the king of heaven is at hand. The king of kings and the lord of lords. Prepare, he said. Be ready. But John the Baptist said something else as well. He said, behold, prepare, behold. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. John the Baptist, when he was walking with some of his disciples, they saw Jesus again. The apostle John records it for us in his gospel. They saw Jesus He saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore I came baptizing with water. Behold, says John. Look, here is the the God of Israel, who is the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. He says, prepare the way. But it was given to John, not just to prepare the way, but to say, look, here is God with us. Emmanuel. Here is the one who has come to us. Emmanuel comes to his people. God with us. God in human nature. Behold your God. That is the the most marvelous, the mind-blowing thing about Christmas The message, behold your God, that the one who was born of Mary in Bethlehem is true almighty God as well as true man. How can these things be? How it was done we can't discuss, but this we know, t'was done for us. Behold your God. And to whom does John the Baptist point him out? Well, first of all, to the Jews. But there were also Roman soldiers who came who would have been foreigners. Now, probably they weren't from Italy. They weren't Roman Romans. They would have been auxiliaries from other parts of the empire, from Syria perhaps, from Egypt And wherever else the Romans had conquered, they recruited soldiers. So these were people who came from all sorts of parts of the world and they they were concerned about their own souls. They came to be baptised 
And they said, what shall we do? Because you see, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together. That is, Jesus didn't just come for the Jews. He came for all mankind. For people from every tribe, tongue and nation. All sorts of people. All flesh shall see it. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And it is revealed in Jesus Christ. In his highest work, redemption. See his glory in a blaze, says William Gadsby. See in the the death of Jesus Christ, in the, he came into the world. And you know, if you've gone to Bethlehem and seen that child laid in a manger, you would have seen an ordinary looking child. If you had seen him growing up in Nazareth as a boy, you'd have seen an ordinary looking boy now. Very quickly you would have found out if you spoke to his school friends, to his family, that this was a remarkable boy because he was a boy who never misbehaved. And I think any of us who know boys, we know that boys often do misbehave. In fact, it's fairly normal in this fallen world. But Jesus was without sin. Therefore, he never did anything wrong. But he would have looked, he looked like an ordinary boy as he grew up, an ordinary man. Isn't this the carpenter, they said? Isn't this the man who works making the doors and the windows for our houses? And I got back home, one might say to another, go home, you can see that door he made. Very good door. But isn't this the carpenter? And they saw him just as an ordinary craftsman. And yet the glory of the Lord was revealed in him. And those who were given eyes to see, they saw the glory of the Lord. And we see the glory of the Lord. It's a marvelous thing to read that when Jesus was crucified, one of those criminals crucified with him looked at him and said, Lord, remember me. He saw his glory. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And again, in his resurrection, the glory of the Lord is revealed in that work of redemption, of saving his people from their sins by taking their place on the cross. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Prepare, says John, first of all. Be ready for his coming. But then he says also, behold, see him, the Lamb of God. God with us, behold your God. And we see in Jesus Christ our God, the one who, who is God with us, God for us as well. That's the marvellous thing in Jesus Christ. One of the marvellous things is God on our side. He came not to condemn the world, 
but that the world through him might be saved, the Bible says. So he's God for us. And we're not to think, of course, that there's any sort of difference of opinion between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's not that the Father is against us and the Son is for us, but that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. So the love of God is the love of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it's revealed in the Son. Behold your God. Behold his love, his mercy, comfort. Yes, comfort my people. They are comfortable words that are spoken. The message, prepare, behold. And thirdly, the Messiah, the one he pointed to, Jesus And we see in verses 10 and 11 of this chapter of Isaiah, Isaiah 40, that he is shown as two things. He is shown as the conquering hero and the good shepherd. He's the conquering hero who fights for his people. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing that he fights for his people. He's like King David. He's the shepherd and the conqueror. Remember King David and Goliath, that story that we all, if we have any kind of church background, we all know so well, David and Goliath, that Goliath was the great champion of the Philistines and he came out with a challenge and there he was he was about nine feet tall and everything in proportion so enormously broad chested great muscles rippling in the sun and he was he had a bronze helmet on his head armed with a coat of mail glittering in the sun and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze bronze armour on his legs that would be particularly protecting his calves and ankles and a bronze javelin between his shoulders a great spear in his hand and a shield in the other and his great sword by his side and he stood and he cried out why have you not come out for, to, to line up for battle am I not a Philistine and you the servants of King Saul Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, you shall be our servants and serve us. He's a nine foot tall giant with superhuman strength. What man is going to say, well I think I, I, think I can take him. The answer is nobody in their right mind, humanly speaking. And so, when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Along comes David, a young man, teenage boy, who was just there bringing food to his family, to his brothers. And he asks, well, what's going on? When he sees this daily ritual it's become, Goliath comes out, who will fight with me? 
And the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him. They were dreadfully afraid. They wanted to make absolutely certain that nobody thought that any of them were volunteering to take on this mountain of a man. But King David, but young David, and he was King David, really, he'd been anointed king. David spoke to the man who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine, this pagan, that he should defy the armies of the living God? And so David, the anointed one, the man on whose head the royal anointing oil had been poured out by God's command, volunteered. And out he went. He tried Saul's armour, but he'd never worn armour before, and wearing armour weighs an awful lot. And he knew he couldn't fight in armour, so he went out, as a shepherd boy would be armed, with his stick and with his sling, the few round, few small stones, round stones from the brook. And Goliath mocked, but Goliath stopped mocking, because in the name of the Lord God of hosts, David defeated him. And the people were looking in the days of Isaiah for such a champion, such a a conquering king who would overcome all their enemies. And so Jesus Christ is, because he has disarmed all his people's enemies by his cross. Because there's only one weapon that the devil has against anybody, and that's our sins. And Jesus Christ took that condemnation upon himself so that he, on the cross, conquered our sins. He conquered the devil. He conquered death and hell. And he rose again from the dead victorious on the third day. He is the conquering hero who sets his people free. The Lord God shall come with a strong hand. He overcomes all his foes. He conquers in the battle. And he is the one who sets his people free. So that we can be God's people. No longer slaves to sin but servants to God for righteousness. But he's also the good shepherd, the good shepherd, the one who leads his people as a shepherd who cares for his people. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, a hired hand, that is, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling, and he doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. 
and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring and they will hear my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. He's talking of course about his mission going out to the Gentiles, to the non-Jews, to the nations. How the the word of God is to be preached to all peoples. Therefore my father loves me. Because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me. But I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. And I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. He lays down his life for the sheep. And he takes it up again. Which is why he feeds his flock like a shepherd. The Lord's my shepherd I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He refreshes my soul. The Lord God, Jesus Christ, feeds his flock. He guides us. He gathers the lambs with his arm. Carries them in his bosom. He cares for us. He takes the little lamb and protects it inside his own garments. And he gently leads those who are with young, taking care for his people. So that we may be troubled in this world but never destroyed. He cares for us as the shepherd king who rules in righteousness. And so John points to this Messiah, this conquering hero who leads and guides and feeds his people, who cares for us. The king is coming, John says. Prepare the way of the Lord. He was a man sent from God. A voice crying in the wilderness whose message is very simply prepare and behold a man who proclaims a far greater one, God with us, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. As the hymn writer puts it, on Jordan's bank the Baptist's cry announces that the Lord is nigh. Awake and hearken for he brings glad tidings from the King of kings the king is coming may God give us to receive him in our hearts Amen Amen So what would you think? Love to get your feedback if you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith you can do so my email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook Facebook.com forward slash Pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at Pirate Christian. Till next week, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ, by Carrie's death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.